Please, and uh, thank you, Brother Steve and uh, AJ. Appreciate that. And uh, all right, let's see how much we can get done before communion service. And uh, Brother Steve will be preaching tonight. And uh, I know his schedule for the last couple of weeks was pretty hectic all the way around between getting Laney down to school and uh, then getting Allison on a wonderful vacation. Oh, yeah. She better come back fully rested and ready to go. Did you tell her that? <laughs> she may be listening in on phone. I don't know. So I better be good or I'm going to get, get it when, I, when she gets back. I'll hear from her. All right. Uh, uh, we're still in that series on the successful Christian life, and we're looking at uh, an arsenal. Now, you remember when uh, Jeremiah was a prophet, God uh, told Jeremiah, you tell the people that there's an arsenal available to you. If you'll do the thing that's right, then there's an arsenal that you can uh, walk into. And and it wasn't one with guns and rifles and spears. They didn't have those back in those days, but uh, that's not what we think of an arsenal today. But uh, they would have had their spears and their shields and whatever else they would have had in there uh, to throw against a common enemy. But what God was thinking about in his arsenal was a number of things that we've been dealing with, and we'll name some of those uh, this morning, that uh, there's weapons in there to deal with a number of the issues that we're going to face because we live in a fallen world. And uh, we're not exempt from experiencing those things, but what we do with those experiences uh, makes all the difference in the world. And so our key verse, obviously, is verse 9. I, th- I think Joshua chapter 1 is probably one of my favorite chapters in, uh, in all the Bible. And uh, verse 9 says, Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Remember that. No matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, God's with you. Whether you're doing that which is right, or whether you're doing that which is wrong, whether you're doing that which is fearful, or whether you're doing that which is bold, he is there with you. So we're either shaming him or we're being a blessing to him along the way. So as we continue to look at various things that we have to face in this fallen world, we are reminded that whatever it is that we have to face, God has provided an antidote or a means by which we are not overwhelmed and defeated. Now, I like the song. Now, I didn't tell Steve to choose that song, but uh, I look at the song and I said, wait a minute, that's going to fit right in with the message, Jesus never fails. So we simply have to remember that God has an armory filled with the weapons that we need to defend ourselves in these battles that we're facing. However, if one is not spending adequate time in the scriptures, and I know you heard that until you can't stand it anymore, but it still remains the truth. If one is not spending adequate time in the scriptures and meditating on them, then our knowledge of what God has made available is not only limited, it leaves us vulnerable and ill-equipped to face the battles that we do face. So we have covered such issues as anger and anxiety, bitterness and burnout and complaining, confusion, uh, a critical spirit, discontentment, discouragement and doubt. Now, in in, in God's armory, there are... There are defensive weapons against all of these things that we can use, that we can put in, in use and make application of so that we can minimize the impact or completely eradicate it altogether. And so um, none of these issues are pleasant to, uh, to have to deal with, but they are to some degree or other a fact of life in a fallen world. The question is whether we will allow them to overwhelm us, control us, or whether we will prepare ourselves against those issues when they arise. Now, you may not 
know what is going to arise, but having a, a good handle on the overall word of God, at least you'll know where to go. Amen? And so it's important that we at least have a working knowledge of the word of God so we can, we can repair to it when we have to along the way. Now, folks, we keep aspirins, ibuprofen or all of whatever, the Tylenols and all those kind of things in there. And, and we usually keep them in a medicine cabinet. When you go on a trip, you probably pack them with you because, you know, you're going to get a headache somewhere along the line or you might need some aspirins along the way. So we keep aspirins and other things such as band-aids and salves and other medical supplies on hand because we know that someday what? We're going to need them. You're going to need to take an aspirin or you're going to need to put a band-aid on and, uh, uh, and so on there. And so you keep those things on hand against what? The day when you need them. And yet, when it comes to the practical things of life and the issues that we face there, we're not prepared. Some are, many aren't. And so, they begin to faint along the wayside. So, why, when it comes to emotional issues, feelings, thoughts, and the such, we always seem to be coming from behind, rather than being prepared by laying up in our hearts places in Scripture that we can turn to for the help that we need. Now, from time to time in the evening services on Sunday night or Wednesday night, Burton would share uh, from Bonnie's diary throughout her, throughout her life. And in that are all the verses that she used to combat, I'm sure, all the issues that would arise to her, the emotional issues, the physical issues, and how she found, from God's armory, how she found what she needed to be able to get the victory over those things in each and every day. But there's not a lot of people who are, are, who are so equipped. We can be, and we should be, and we ought to be. Now, not only that, but we can also prevent the issues of life from overwhelming us by simply taking the time to learn how to walk with the Lord our God and build up an unwavering faith and trust in Him. We just sang the song, Jesus never fails. And He has never failed. Now, we failed. We failed ourselves and we have failed the Lord. And a lot of that failure is the, is the weakness of our faith rather than the strength of it. So consider Joshua this morning that God didn't just drop this immense responsibility on Joshua without having prepared Joshua for such a time as we have read in our source text. Now, throughout the entire wilderness wanderings, God was preparing Joshua for the many different tasks that he had to deal with throughout that wilderness wandering for the day when Moses would die and God would say, you are now the man. You're going to take these stiff-necked, hard-hearted, rebellious, and indifferent people and you're going to lead them across the Jordan River and you're going to take them into the promised land and you're going to claim it. Whew. Aren't you glad that you don't wake up one morning and all of a sudden there it is, boom. God dumps all this on you in one big felt swoop. Well, you know, sometimes I think he does a little bit because we haven't been preparing ourselves. We haven't been having prayer time and we haven't been having our devotions that we ought to have them along the way. So anyway, we see here that 40 years of wandering in the wilderness and, and witnessing God's leadership, God's power and God's provisions, the miracles, the battles, you name it, Joshua was there learning and gleaning knowledge about the Lord God as he had been revealing himself to Joshua and to the people of Israel. Now, it's a shame that Caleb and Joshua seemed to get it, but all those other myriad of millions of Jews, they didn't all get it, but they did. So when Moses was relieved of his position, God knew Joshua was the right man for the right time 
All Joshua needed was to be reminded that God knows what he is doing and that he is going to be guiding Joshua accordingly. Well, separate these pages here this morning. Good grief. Uh, so we're going to look at point number one this morning, the command and the promise. We'll flip it in the second to the promise and the command. Father, we pray that you guide and direct as we look at the message this morning. Lord, won't you guide and direct? Well, we can glean so much from this man, Joshua. Not, not just from where we are in our text, but Lord, what must have transpired prior to Joshua getting to this point where out of the millions of Jews that had wandered and even been born throughout the 40 years in that wilderness wandering, Lord, you chose him above all the others. And Lord, I believe it's because he had a heart that was different than all the others. And Lord, may we realize that even in our own lives, that Lord, you choose those who have a heart for you. Lord, not just those who know you. Uh, Lord, not just those who profess but, Lord, those who have a real, genuine heart, love, and compassion for you. So, Lord, won't you guide, won't you direct, meet the need of this hour, whether to salvation or to rededication. We pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. So, in uh, Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, the Bible says, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all, the, uh, and all this people, unto land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness in this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea, uh, toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. Then or there, there shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with thee, and I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. You know, we can apply that very nicely to us. That is, God was with Moses. He'll be with any one of us here tonight, or this morning, rather. He'll be with us. And so nothing has changed as to God's purpose and plan for the Israelites who left Egypt. Oh, they were a, they were a mumbling, grumbling, fumbling uh, bunch of people going through. They, had met, listen, they, they saw all the things that Joshua saw. They witnessed all the things that God did that uh, both Joshua and Caleb and Moses and Aaron and Miriam all did. And yet they still couldn't muster the faith that, uh, that Joshua had. It's amazing, isn't it? That they could not render the things that they had seen and allow that to define their faith in their God. So it is a different generation as the original generation died off from a lack of faith when they're about ready to cross over Jordan. Faithlessness in the believer's life is a life that can never please God. Did you know that? Faithlessness is never a life that can please God. Nor can they experience the peace of God as those who have an absolute faith in God. Hebrews 11, 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, uh, that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him, seek him out, uh, who diligently seek him. And so fear is the arch enemy of faith. And oddly enough, faith in God is the destroyer of fear. Think about that. The devil knows that fear will ruin our faith or diminish our faith. 
And if we will muster our faith and our confidence in that Jesus never fails or that God is always with us and that we'll go through nothing that God doesn't know about and that God is going to guide us and direct us through that and, and teach us and, and, to, and to grow us spiritually through those experiences there, that that will destroy any fear we had because our faith is built. And so if we were to enter God's armory looking for a weapon to deal a death blow to fear, the weapon of choice would be faith in God. What other weapon do you need to deal with fear other than faith? Now, in Matthew chapter 11, you don't have to turn there, Jesus put a curse on a fig tree. You remember the disciples were walking by and Jesus saw a fig tree and went over the fig tree and... and uh, it had the leaves, but it had no figs. Now, fig trees are a little bit weird. They grow figs first and then the leaves, but at least if there's leaves, there should have been some figs on there, right? Amen? So uh, he went there, and there were no figs on the tree. And so he cursed the tree. He didn't curse at the tree. He cursed the tree. And so the next day as they walked by the fig tree, Peter, <gasps> he looked astonished at the tree. And he said... He was astonished that the tree was dead. And so Jesus, his response to Peter in verse 22 of chapter 11 of Matthew was to have faith in God. I said it. I am the son of God. Have faith. If I say it, it's going to come, it's going to, come to pass. And so the sooner we surrender our life to God and we walk with him through life in the scriptures... And apply the scriptures to our life and life circumstances. Which, by the way, his book is his armory for us. Amen. Then uh, the sooner and the greater our faith will be built up. And we will not falter because of fear. Now, I'm not talking about what's hiding in a closet. What might be under the bed or things of that nature there. I'm talking about the real issues of life. That... We can somehow fear and not give them over to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm your child. And Lord, you guide me, you direct me through this so that you might be honored, you might be glorified. And it's amazing the strength and the power that God can give to us during those times. And so Psalm 56 and verse 3, what time I am afraid, what? I will trust in the Lord. So it isn't that we may not face fearful things in our lives. It's what we allow that fear to do. If it causes us to lose confidence in God, then you're not going to find a very quick, easy remedy. And so when you begin to sense that little bit of fear coming on you, you say, what, Lord? I'm going to give this over to you. And Lord, I'm going to let you guide me through this whole thing, this whole process. And so, that's trusting in the Lord. That's trusting in God. You say, Lord, whatever the outcome is, whatever I have to, whatever I have to deal with as I go through all of this stuff, Lord, I'm going to trust in you. And so, there are too many whatabouts. How many of us here this morning know what a whatabout is? You probably know what a roundabout is, but I'm talking about a whatabout. Whatabout. Well, whatabouts are all the reasons we give God why we can't or why we won't trust in him. 
what about this? What about that? Well, that's the result of worry. And someday we're going to touch on worry in this, in this section as well. And so we worry over things that haven't even happened yet. Now, what about for all the reasons we give why God, why, why we can't or why we won't trust in, 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 in God? Joshua searched out the land and he saw the same thing the other, the other uh, ten spies saw. And he knew what was in the land. And when God said to him, you're taking over in Moses' place. I'm thinking of all the whatabouts he could have said. God tapped Moses and Moses had a whatabout. What about my speech? I can't speak fluently. I, Lord, I can't be the man that you want. And so he could have argued with God, what about those giants in the land? He could have argued with, what about all those walled cities? He could have argued with God, what about that Jordan River overflowing its banks at this time of the year? Can we wait for it to dry up? He could have had a whole lot of whatabouts. He could have argued with God, what about their armies and their weapons? We're, we're not trained. And, and they've got warriors in there and they've got spears and they've got catapults and they've got all kinds of good stuff in that land. So he could have had a whole bunch of whatabouts. But do we realize that God has a solution for every whatabout? <laughs> I, don't want, I, don't, I, don't, I want to burst your bubble of excuses. But God has a solution for every whatabout we may raise an objection that you and I can think of. In God's army, there is a weapon to neutralize every whatabout of fear. And they all begin with either faith or trust. Faith or trust. You and I do not need anything more than faith in God and trust that he keeps his word. Amen. So Joshua chapter 1, 2 is the command. We look at Joshua chapter 1 and verse 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, under the land which I do give to, to them, to the children of Israel. Verses 3 and 4 are God's, is God's vision of what's going to take place. He has given to Joshua his vision that is going to come, to come together. And he says there, Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. Nothing's changed. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even under the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and under the great sea toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. Not might be. They will be. And so verse 5 is God's promise. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Whoever stood up against Moses and succeeded. I mean, Joshua could look back over 40 years and anybody who dared to murmur, complain, or challenge Moses, Moses was the victor. Because Moses put his trust and his faith in God. And he won. And Joshua said, well, that's pretty cool. Now, I don't know if he said that. Uh, I don't even know if they had the word cool in Hebrew. I don't know if they got it or not. <laughs> but you get the point there. And that was that he simply realized that, hey, listen, Moses was a victor. Other than have the time they lost his hanker. But other than that, I mean, he stood up against some pretty tough characters. 
some pretty tough circumstances along the way, and he stood strong in the Lord. And so we see the promises there that no man will be able to stand before you. Listen, I, I believe that when, when we are people of faith, that there is no one who will be able to stand against us. Which brings us to the second point, the promise and the command in Joshua chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. And he said, Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shall thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to, to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. In verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to uh, do according to all that is written therein. For then shalt thou what? Make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. So the point, the first point was the command and the promise. The second reversed the promise and the command. That which God is expecting from Joshua is solely because of what he tells Joshua back in the end of verse 5, where he says, As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee, I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Now that, that's something you can count on. God's never going to fail you. And don't assume that because God didn't hogtie us, chase us down and hogtie us, and velcro us to a wall somewhere because we were bent on doing something that we, we know that wouldn't please God, and then turn around and blame God for it. Lord, you didn't stop me from doing that. You didn't stop me from marrying that unsaved person. Lord, you didn't stop me from doing this. You didn't stop me from doing that. He said, I gave you as much information. I gave you as much warning. The preacher, the Bible, and all these things I gave to you. I even gave you the indwelling, convicting force of the Holy Spirit of God. And you ignored it all. And yet somehow we feel justified turning the tables and blaming God. God, you never should have let me do this. He said, I tried to stop you. I tried to keep this. It's in my word. It's in the Bible. It's all right there. And so, because of what God has promised, he has the expectation that Joshua would do what God expects of him to do. And that's the same for you. Um, God has expectations of every one of us. And the biggest expectation is to simply have faith. I am who I said I am. Have faith in me. I have given you to my promises, and I have never broken a promise. I have never forsaken you. I have never left you, though you have not always walked faithfully with me. Now, in verse 6 and 7, there are several verb or action that God commands from Joshua. And he says, be strong of a good courage. Both in the imperative or they are a command. This is what God expects. He expects us to go forth to be strong. He expects us to have good courage because we're drawing from the Lord. And he's providing and next verse he said, only be thou strong and very courageous. Again, both are in the imperative or command. These are the things that God expects us when we have faith and trust in him. These are the things that God expects us to do. Not to run, not to cower, not to hide, but to stand up and say, Lord, here am I. Use me. So we would do well to note the first two words in verse 8, which is be thou. Be thou. 
So God's already explained to Joshua what his responsibility in Joshua's life was going to be. And now he's about to tell Joshua what he expects Joshua's responsibility to be. And that he says, be thou. See, I can't do that for you and you can't do that for me. This is my responsibility. This is what I'm supposed to do. I'm to approach this, as he said, be thou. And so, be thou strong and of a good courage. Be strong and very courageous. Not just courageous, but very courageous. The world needs to see men and women who are courageous in the Lord. Who are courageous in living a life for the Lord. Who are strong in their, in their biblical beliefs. Unfortunately, that's not always the case. So God rightly expects that we should put ourselves out there by faith and trust in him when he makes it a point to avail himself as a guarantee. And that's what he is. He's our guarantee. So I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. It may, it may look bleak, but he's, I'm right there. Hang in there. I'm, I'm, I'm there. I'm, I'm there with you. I'm, I'm on the same page. So this is why it is so important for us to make sure our lives are being lived in his will for our lives because this is where he, he avails himself. When God's people are not walking in his will, he's not a, he doesn't avail himself to them. Oh, he's there. He hasn't left you. But there's no strength. There's no power. And there's no courage comes in that part. So being in God's will for our lives is where we find our life centered in him and his promises. He, it, is, it is where we find that peace that passes understanding because we know we are on the right track in, in this life. We're in the right place. And so we have a peace, regardless of the storms that are swirling around us. Now, I mentioned earlier that God had given to Joshua his promises, his commands, and his details. God has done the same for us. In fact, much of God's plan and purposes for our lives is not hidden in some uh, eventuality for us to discover, to discover somewhere down the road. From the day that you and I got saved, God has a purpose and God has a plan for our life. And that plan is where God wants us to be. Not my plan, not your plan, but his plan. And that should be so that one of the most important things that we can, two most important things I'll say, that we as parents can do for our children is to first of all bring them to a saving knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The second thing is to teach them how to walk in God's will for their lives. Because too many of our young people, they're not, they're not praying to God about what God wants them to do or what God doesn't want them to do or what they should be involved in, what they should not be involved in. Uh, how many of our, of our young people have prayed, do you want me to go to this school? Do you want me to go to this school? Do you want me to take this course? Do you want me to take that course? Now, God can lead and direct according to his perfect will for our lives. But we have come to the place where we will our own lives and we want God to put his stamp of approval on the willing of our lives. And that's not how it works. It doesn't work that way at all. So, as we read the word of God, he lays out his will for every born-again, Bible-believing Christian before our eyes. Did you know that? It's not something that we have to wait for God to kind of write on the wall somewhere or secretly find a, a note slipped in our Bible somewhere. When you're reading the word of God, the word of God will bring you into that place where you are walking in the will of God for your life. Does that make sense? <laughs> I mean, yeah, we're, we're looking for some mystical magic. Uh, you're not on the right path, buddy. Now, I was willing my life for God 
until finally God said, you're an idiot. This is my will for your life. Do my will. It took a little while, but he finally got through this thick head, this thick skull. And I believe I am where God wants me, wants me to be, doing what God wants me to do, be doing. Can I do it better? I'm sure I can as I learn, as I grow, and we can do things better as we go. But the truth of the matter, as long as you're in the Word of God and you're gleaning things from the gleaning truths from God's Word, principles and precepts, you're, you're in the will of God. And in that will, He has things for us to do, doesn't He? Like prayer and, and study and, and witnessing and tithing and church attendance. All these, that's all part of being in God's will for our lives. If, we, if I will my life, my, wife, my, my life is going to do all the things that I want to do. And if there's anything left over, I might do them for God. Well, that's not going to be a very successful Christian life. I go and I read and I meditate in the Word of God so I can discover how God wants to order my life for me. Through His Word. And so, it's called living the Word of God. Actually, living the Word of God. Not the parts that we like and ignoring what we don't like, or what we find easy in light of what might be hard. God told Joshua what he was to do, what he would expect from God, or what he could expect from God. And God told Joshua what he expected from him. Faith, not fear, for what may have seemed an impossible task, an unpleasant task. God was asking Joshua to trust him, have faith in him. Step out and do what I called you to do. So I want you to note Joshua's response in verse 10. No lagging, no thinking it over, or asking others for advice. I think I probably did a foolish thing when I, when I, when I was, when God was leading me to come here. And I sought some advice. And a few people told me, mm, you, you shouldn't go there. You got a family and they can't really pay much of anything. They don't have any insurances. And they don't have. And all, they told me all the things that the church didn't have. Now, I don't want you to mistake, mistakenly think that I was just exceptionally mature. <laughs> I wasn't. But there was a little thing that kept nagging at me and simply says, I will take care of you. I will provide. I will meet your needs along the way. Folks, we ran out of money in Pennsylvania. I had a truck and a car, my wife and five kids. And we stopped at our parents. We had no money to get everything from there to here. And yet God provided for the last step of the way. And it was wonderful. And so we knew that this is where God wanted us. Because I listened to the voice that simply said, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take care of you. And when I got here, they said, no, we don't want you to work part-time. We want you to be here full-time in the ministry. So I said, okay. And God did take care of us all the way through all those years with no insurance. More than ample food on the table, though, if you were to ask my oldest son, Ron, he never thought there was. He'd always look at his sister's plates and say, you're going to finish that, you're going to finish that, you're going to finish that. So, but it's amazing when, and even Dan Charlotte has done the same thing. I mean, he just up and quit his job and said, I know God wants me on there. And that guy closed a number of other doors, but he went out by faith. It's been a struggle. Let me say he did every, he's done everything wisely, but he's still out there. Souls are getting saved. Souls are rededicating their lives. And he went out there and he went out there by faith. 
And there are those times when we just have to accept by faith that God is who God said he is and that we can count on him. And so the more we know and learn about God, the greater our trust and our faith in him to accomplish what he calls or asks of us to do. James writes that faith without works is dead being alone. So you can say you have faith, but the faith doesn't move you. If it doesn't motivate you to do what God's called you to do, your faith needs some work. So faith moves us to do. Faith moves us to do. Fear holds us back. Faith moves us forward, and fear paralyzes us. To overcome fear, discover the power of faith in God. There's nothing like it. To just step out by faith and say, Lord, you know I'm scared to death, but I'm going to do what you want me to do because this is what you've asked me to do. And there's a lot of commands in this book that are for you and for me. I have a few others because I'm a pastor. There are certain expectations God has and certain commands that God has of me because I'm a pastor. As a father, man, you've got some commands that you have given to you by God that your wife does not have. She has commands that God has given to her that you do not have. Young people, God has given commands to your parents that he has not given to you. Amen? And so we've got to go through the scriptures and learn those things because that's all part of God's plan for our lives. To be in his will. And it's right there for your reading, for your application. Amen? Father, thank you for this time that we could be together today. And Lord, as we prepare for the communion service today. Lord, I'm sure that each and every one of us, from the pulpit to the pew to the folks at home, Lord, there have been times in our lives when we have not done the things that we should have done. Not because we were lazy and not because we didn't want to, but ultimately fear won the day. And Lord, you would not have us to live our lives with fear or to be cowering in a corner. But Lord, to be bold. Lord, we can't help but go back over human history and look at the myriad of believers who stood up against the monarchs and against the wickedness of the various church denominations that either you convert or you die. Either you change your doctrine or we're going to burn you at the stake. Lord, many were tortured in ways that we could not even begin to imagine refusing to renounce their faith and their trust. Lord, I believe they faced some of the most horrific pain that we could possibly imagine. And they did in faith trusting that Lord lied beyond it all was something that was beyond human comprehension. But Lord, it was beautiful. It was marvelous and it was wonderful. Lord, may we realize that this is our day and age. And we have a responsibility to our families, to our neighbors, to our community, and to our country. And Lord, to face what's going on, to face what's coming down the pike, we have to do so with, with faith and with trust. Because these are the two most important things that will honor you above all else that we will do as a child of God. Heads about and eyes are closed. Say, preacher, I tend to have intrepidations, things I'm a little bit fearful of doing. And I know that I've got to have a greater degree of faith and trust. 
And I know that I need to spend more time with the Lord because the more time I spend with Him, the greater my trust becomes. Preacher, would you pray for me this morning? I want my faith to grow, and I want it to grow by leaps. I want it to grow by bounds. I want God to be able to use me. I want the Lord Jesus Christ to become so real that fear would be driven so far from me that it wouldn't even be a reality at any time. That we can be as bold as a lion. Preacher, pray for me. And maybe this one you're saying, Preacher, I didn't know if I got a home in heaven. Don't really know. Whether you're at home or here, you can pray the same prayers. And listen, God hears, God knows your heart. And if you do not know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior right where you are, you can come to a saving faith by just simply acknowledging that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he died on the cross to take away your sin. And accept him. Invite him. And he will come into your heart. He'll put your name in that land's book of life. And then you can begin to grow. And cast fear aside. And begin to replace it with faith. And you'll never look back. You'll never look back. Well, Father, we thank you for this time that we can be together. And we're about ready to go into communion service. Lord, won't you guide and direct? Lord, may we use these last minutes or so uh, before we're served uh, to allow your Holy Spirit to speak to us, to guide us, and to direct us. Lord, this is about believers, the redeemed of the Lord. Remembering the price you paid through love for us. And Lord, may we do so with grateful hearts. And we'll be careful to give you the praise, the honor, and the glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. AJ and Daniel and